Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. Acts 26, we read from. Remember? Let's go back to Acts 26. There's Paul the Apostle. In fact, he wasn't Paul at this point. He was Saul of Tarsus. And uh, he was brought up a Jew, wasn't he? I'm sure you noticed that. And I read the whole chapter. And uh, it was a very interesting chapter because here we have this man who is called by God. And do you know where the inspiration of this sermon came from? Shall I tell you? Because the title of this sermon is Standing Before the King. Yes? Anybody ever stood before a king? Oh, that's interesting. None of us. Anybody ever stood before a queen? Well, a couple of weeks ago, you may have noticed it was the Queen's Jubilee. And there was the Queen, she's getting older now, so she's about 95? 96. 96, thank you. And she had the opportunity to have some company. And I had a look to see who that company was. Do you know who it was? Paddington Bear. Did anybody see the company with the Queen and Paddington there? And he, uh, he had a cup of tea with her, didn't he? Marmalade and marmalade sandwich. <laughs> he certainly enjoyed his pot of tea because he, he drank it from the snout, didn't he? Did you see that? And um, had his marmalade sandwiches under his hat. She got her marmalade sandwiches in her handbag. <laughs> What you got in your handbag, Marjorie? <laughs> so I was sort of like, you know, dealing with this message and you look for inspiration and I thought it was nice. Well, if you've got the opportunity to have afternoon tea with the Queen, what would be your conversation? Hey, that's a good question, isn't it? What would be your conversation? I'm sure it wouldn't be marmalade sandwiches. She looks great. So I was sort of thinking about this, but I know the Queen is a believer. In fact, she believes the Gospel. The Gospel is the good news of salvation. And this Gospel is for everyone. Whether you're the Queen of England, or whether you're just a poor pauper from the old Kent Road. The rich and the poor. The exalted and the outcast. The gospel is for you. Why? Because we're all sinners. That's why. Even the Queen herself, the Queen of England, Elizabeth II, she's a sinner. And she would tell you that. And she would tell you she needs saving. And if she didn't know that, 
and you had a cup of tea in the afternoon and marmalade sandwiches with Her Majesty, it's our duty to tell her that. Isn't it? I think it is. Because Paul the Apostle, or Saul of Tarsus, he went before King Agrippa. And that's what this chapter's about. He's standing before the king and he's not having a cup of tea and marmalade sandwiches. He's telling him the gospel. He's telling him why he's there. I, I love it. Paul is a prisoner and here he is in this chapter 26 standing before Agrippa the king. And he's a, 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 Agrippa, I find it hard to pronounce his name, he has given Paul free reign to tell exactly what he wants to say. He says, verse 1, you are permitted to speak for yourself. You know, Paul is a prisoner under a charge, but this king has just given him free reign to just say what he wants to say. Felix, the previous governor, had left Paul a prisoner to please his accusers. And I think Paul had been a prisoner for some two years. Festus, he couldn't find a charge to place against Paul. And just to please the other Jews, he left him in prison. And in this scene, there is Agrippa, there's his wife, her name is Bernice, all in their pomp. There's Festus, and they've come to sit down and make themselves comfortable. There's like a court, and they're all interested to hear what Paul has got to say. So today, this is all by way of introduction, we're just going to have a little look at the whole affair. Is that okay? Have a little overview. So we go to verse 3. I mean, I've read it already, and it's quite a lengthy chapter. So I'm not sure that I'm going to read it all again. But the point is, and this is my first heading, that Jesus, Paul's declaring, that Jesus has changed the destination of his soul. It's fantastic. Jesus has changed the destination of where he would eternally end up. I think it's fabulous. And if you listen to what I was saying, and if you, if we, we got half an hour, it'd take me ten minutes to read the whole chapter. So that'll be one third of the half an hour out of the way. So I can't read the whole chapter again. But we did read that Paul was saying that from an early age he had concern for his soul. That's very important. And perhaps you're here today because you've got concern for your soul. I would like to believe that is true. Because we're talking spiritual talk. We're talking about the Bible. And I was talking to my dear friend Marjorie and Jan last week about the word Bible. Has anyone got a Bible on their lap today? Yes. yes. What does the word Bible mean? 
close. You're close. You, you, you're close, Mick Tipper. And what did you say, Dom? This is a series of books. Well, it's, you can say it's a library of books. Yeah. 66, in fact, isn't it? But I, I want to go a bit deeper than that, Mick Tipper. I said to Jan and to Marjorie, did you know that the word Bible is an acronym for B, basic, I, information, B, before, L, leaving, E, earth. There we go. Someone was smart enough to work that one out. Basic information before leaving earth. Are we all planning to leave earth one day? We will be, won't we? We can't stay here forever in our current condition. Can we? We don't want to. We're going to be mad. But anyway, Paul... Paul, Paul had concern for his soul. And so do you. And that's why you're here. You want basic instruction and information. That's what you want. Anyway, so what did he do to get that information to, to, to guard him and to lead him and to protect it or concern his soul? He joined the strictest set of his religion, which is Pharisaicism. It's a Pharisee. That's what he was from his youth. You know, Adriel, how old is Adriel? He's turning 12. I mean, I can imagine Paul the Apostle with his own personal tutor teaching him the ways of Judaism when he was a little boy, a little 12 year old. And the Pharisees kept the law. They kept the law to the, to the detail, to the tittle and the full stop and the comma, didn't they, Dom? Yeah. That's what they did. And he, to show how, you could say, holier than thou, to show how deep he was in the religion, they persecuted Christians. That's what he did. As he became a man, he hated Christians, meaning... He also hated Jesus Christ because Jesus changed everything and they didn't like it. And he did this to gain favour with God. So can you imagine how deceived he was that by killing Christians, in his mind he thought he was pleasing God. That's deception, isn't it? Should we kill people? There are people today that do the same thing. There are people that like to blow up, blow up Christians, blow up people in our society just because of their religion is different to our religion. It's very sad. If you read some of these Christian newspapers like Evangelical Times or Evangelicals Now, you can... You know, you can see stories around the world where there's churches in Pakistan or India where the, the local Muslims are burning them. They're burning the pastor's house. They're killing Christians. This is going on today. So 
not much has changed from Saul of Tarsus' day to today. We just don't hear about it on the BBC. Boy, if you don't have what did I say earlier, Liam? He thought God would be pleased with him because of his opposition to Jesus. He had believers thrown in prison. That's what he did. He was glad. He was this Saul of Tarsus. He was glad because he was persecuting and executing Christians. But then something happened. The decision day came. On the day on the road to Damascus. He was going on a journey and he had been to see the chief priest in Jerusalem and they gave him authority to go elsewhere in the country. I think they went back to in Syria is Damascus, I think. So he was going up there to persecute more Christians and put them in prison. And on that journey, it says it in the scriptures, and you can read it in Acts chapter 9, that a bright light from heaven shone brighter than the sun. Has anybody spent any time recently looking at the sun? Eh? Has anybody spent an hour or two looking at the sun? Well, you would, wouldn't you, Bob? Even Bob knows you go blind. Anyone gone blind lately looking at the sun? It burned your retinas out. You know that. Can you imagine that when you see Jesus, and you will see him, every one of us, when we pop our clogs, yeah? You haven't popped your clogs yet, right? I know that. I can see you're all breathing. <laughs> but when you pop your clogs, you're going to see him. And he's going to be shining brighter than the noonday sun. You've only got to read the last book of the Bible. It's called Revelation. And John, the apostle, is seeing Jesus. Incredible. He falls down like dead. Because it says it in the scriptures that no man can look on the Lord and live. You burn up. Why? Because we're sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. We're all sinners. But Christians, if you're a real Christian, and I'll say that again, if you're a real Christian, you're saved. Saved by grace. And God is at work in your life, redeeming you to be a son, to be a daughter in the Lord. How about that? That's incredible, isn't it? I'm happy about it, even if you're not. But he's going to shine brighter than the sun. That's what Paul saw. And he heard a voice. He heard Jesus' voice speaking to him. Look at it. Verse 14, isn't it? Saul! Saul! Why are you persecuting me? He's asking a question. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said... Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. This is after his death. 
This is after his crucifixion. This was after he was nailed to the cross and buried in the grave. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And then after that three days, he, he appeared to the disciples over 40 days. Nine times! Nine times Jesus appeared to different people. That's evidence that we know he is alive. So we don't put our faith in some fanciful uh, delusioned idea. We're putting our faith in evidence. Eyewitnesses who saw him. And Saul is saying, I saw him. He spoke to me. I was going to go kill people or put them in prison, but he talked to me. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He he talks quite a bit to him. Lovely. Jesus appeared to this man who was Saul of Tarsus, changed his name to Paul and commissioned him to do a job for him. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what we're doing today. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. How about that? He realised he was talking to the Lord and he received him as his Lord and Saviour. My next point is this. Jesus not only changed Saul and his destination, his eternal destination, Jesus changed the direction of his life. Now, we all, at one point, were living this life to do something, to live for something, but here we have this man who was a religious man, right, and here God has changed him. Instead of killing people, He wants to bring life to people, bring the gospel to people. So the Lord has commissioned him to bring life and service to the lives of other people. Fantastic. And it says it in here, it says here, look, there we go, verse 16, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have seen and of the things which... I will yet reveal to you. So the Lord is commissioning him to be a witness and a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to go further, he says, to open the eyes of those who are living in spiritual darkness. You think about that. To open the eyes of those who are living, they're alive, they're alive, but yet they're living in a spiritual darkness. They're blinded. They're blinded by things spiritually. And the Lord is sending him to open people's eyes. Who? Who is blinding these people? Who is the, well, it says it in the passage. It says, look, Verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. That's what we want, isn't it? Yes. And from the power of Satan 
to the power of God. So it's obviously the power of Satan that is blinded people spiritually so that they don't see or know the truth. Satan has been at work in people's lives. And so the Lord is sending Paul to open their eyes, to see what's going on, so that they know that, they think, hang about, I've been serving the devil all these years. I don't want to be doing that anymore. I want to follow Jesus. That's what God sent Paul to go and do. So he changed the direction of his life. How about that? I like that. Do you? He also says it in the past. There's so much to talk about and so much to see. He wanted the people to receive the forgiveness for their sins. It says that in verse 18 as well. Among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Come on. Who would want to turn their nose up at this? Who would want to turn up their nose at this message? Who would want to be disobedient to the call? Paul wasn't. He's a very educated man, Paul. He was not disobedient to this heavenly call. Would you be? He was... All right, Liam. He was obedient and brought him to this place and to the hands of his accusers. So when Paul began to fulfil his call, and this is what happens, trouble, trouble will follow you around. Because what you're doing is you're going against the prince of the power of the air. And that's the devil himself. You're turning your back on him who you once used to live for, even though you didn't realise it. Because he deceived you. He deceived me. He deceived Paul. And once you realise whom you've been living for, whom you've been serving, the devil don't like it. And he causes trouble. And that's exactly what happened to Paul. There were enemies. Enemies of the gospel. The Jewish people. And what did they try to do? They tried to kill Paul. I came in here this morning. I came over here. And Wally came and followed me over there. And the first thing he says, I've got a question for you. I said, what's that? He said, blah, 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 blah. Paul was stoned. And he was dead. Who stoned him? The Jews stoned him. And Paul was left for dead. The disciples gathered round him, prayed for him, he got back up again. The question was, did Paul have his heavenly vision at that point when he was dead? Well, we don't know, I don't know, but I should imagine, and could imagine, it's true, Wally. The point is, the minute you believe in Jesus, you get enemies. The devil, don't like it. So he might send a demon to give you a bit of hassle. And that's what seems to have happened to Paul. In fact, we know it's true. Because if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me, to cause me grief. And you might wonder why you've got a bit of grief in your life. 
Anybody got a bit of grief in their life at the moment? Someone's nodding their head. <laughs> Perhaps it's the devil sent somebody to give you some grief. Still, in spite of that, Paul kept preaching. Paul kept teaching. Paul kept reaching out to bring others to him, to others to Jesus Christ, and to a knowledge of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you, dear brothers, dear sisters, if you want to know what to talk to other people about, look at Paul. Examine him. Examine his conversion. And when you see what he says, do the same thing. Because many other people have got funny ideas of what you're supposed to do when you become a Christian or when you get born again. They say you've got to do this. They say you've got to do that. You haven't. Follow Paul's example. Preach about Jesus. Preach about his death. Preach about his crucifixion. Preach about the nails in his hand. Preach about the spear that went in his side. Preach about the blood that came out of his body and was shed for your sins. And preach about the burial in the cave. And then preach about the resurrection. This is the gospel. Not about Tom, Dick and Harry. Not about Obi-Wan Kenobi. People have got some wacky ideas. You don't need to say that. And you need to just hear what I say because there are seriously some funny ideas out there. Paul seized every opportunity. He's standing before the king. What's he going to do? He's got a moment in time and he's going to tell him the gospel. Not have a cup of tea and marmalade sandwiches as Paddington Bear did before the Queen. So what do we say? Jesus, my third point, changed the desire of Paul's heart. And if you will trust him, if you will believe him, he will do the same with you. He will change the desires of your heart. Go back to the passage. 26, for the king, for the king before whom I speak freely knows these things, but I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. Since this thing was not done in a corner, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Where do you find the prophets? In the Old Testament. The Old, New Old Testament, the New Testament. So I ask the question again, where do you find the prophets? And what are they doing? They're pointing. And who are they pointing to? Hey, congratulations, you won. The Old Testament, Jan, is full of the prophets. Moses and the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, Jonah, all of these prophets, they're all pointing to Jesus. 
And Paul says, I know that you believe the prophets. I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. What a wonderful, wonderful sermon this must have been. Paul's former desire had been to do away with Christians. That's not very nice, is it? If, if, if he was living today and somebody in the fellowship got a phone call saying, it's Paul, it's Saul of Tarsus here, I'm coming to New Hope Christian Fellowship, I'm going to sort you all out. If we got a phone call like that from Saul of Tarsus, we'd be quaking in our boots. We'd be thinking which one of us is going to prison. We'd be thinking which one of us is going to be executed. That's the sort of fear he drove into people. Thank God he got born again. Hey? If he came here today, he would come as Paul the Apostle and he would be preaching and teaching the message of Christ. It was his passion. You see, he got a new heart. And I hope, I'd like to think that this is your heart. You place him anywhere? Buckingham Palace? To see the Queen? What will he be doing? Be preaching about Jesus. The death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And sharing the love of God. He would explain his conversion. What happened on the road to Damascus. That's what he's doing here in this chapter. He's telling Agrippa and the other nobles exactly what happened to him. Agrippa, Bernice, Festus, they all heard him. And the thing is, I love it, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian, said the king. Well, what's your desire? What's your heart's desire today? Is it to preach the gospel? Is it to give your brothers and sisters grief? Is it to accuse them that they've done something to offend you? Some people are like that. They're highly strong. You look at them the wrong way and they'll say, you're not loving me. And they'll say, you're, you're upsetting me. I can't come to church for two months. Ridiculous. It's the devil that accuses the brethren. We have to read our Bibles correctly and get to know what we're doing and who we're serving. Are we leading others to Christ? That should be our heart's desire. Are we doing it? We try. Don't we? Me and Dave are trying. So can I ask you a question, people? Would you mind? What is the destination of your soul? Could you, could you be on that road to Damascus? On your journey? Going somewhere? Anywhere? Nowhere? Somewhere? Don't know where? We're all on a journey. We were all born once. I was born in 1962. I don't know what year you were born. 
But when we started growing up, we started our journey. We started the journey. So we're going somewhere. We're going from A to Z. We've got to get there. But where is Z? Is it in heaven above? Or is it in hell beneath? Jesus can change the destination of your soul. He got the power. And let me say this. This is a very, very interesting thing because I've got to fold up the sermon. And the conclusion of this chapter was that King Agrippa, after hearing Paul, said, Paul, or Saul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. What do you think of that? The king was almost persuaded. If I went and had tea and marmalade sandwiches with Her Majesty the Queen and she wasn't a believer and I preached the gospel to her and we've had our cup of tea and our marmalade sandwiches and she said, John, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And I, do you know what I'd have to say? I'd have to say, Your Majesty, almost isn't good enough. It's not, is it, Jackie? If you're almost a Christian, you're lost. And that's not good. Because to almost be a Christian is just not good enough. You've got to get over the line. If you was to run a London marathon, and they're very long, by the way, they're 26 miles, yeah? You get on the starting line, like Mayette, she gets on that, right? They all go, right? 26 miles. It's a long way! Bit of water. Oh, stop pushing me, would you? Do you mind? Right? You keep running and running and running, and guess what? If you don't cross that line, you haven't run the marathon. Have you? If you stop one metre short of that line, and you've done nearly 26 miles, or 26 point so and so, if you don't cross that line, you haven't done it. You've almost run the marathon. Well, you're right. He didn't make it. His destination didn't change. So where is he now? He ain't in heaven. He ain't with the Lord Jesus. He didn't make it. That's the fact. You almost made it. When you meet Jesus, when you go to glory... Ah, if you get to glory, you don't want him to say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't make it. You almost did. You almost did. Just make the right decision. I'll just leave it with you. Is that okay? Yeah. So I wonder if you could read the last verse of that 
For you, Wally, we will go ahead and read the last verse. So it's verse 32, am I correct? Yeah. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. There we go. That's what we want to hear. Thank you, Wally. Those soldiers or guards did not almost become Christians. They became Christians wholeheartedly. And there we go. He had to get to Rome to preach to other people. All right? The Lord bless you. Let's just carry on. Father, this, we just think of this message. We think of Paul on his... Uh, his visit to speaking to Agrippa, Festus, Bernice. We think of the conversation then telling him that he's mad, God lost his mind. He's not mad, he's in his right mind. And he's reasoning with them about becoming believers. Knowing the truth, knowing the gospel of the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so thankful that we believe we're so thankful that you put your approval upon us. We don't want to say to you today that we almost became Christians. Lord, I want to declare before my brothers and sisters that I surrender all to you. Uh, upon this song that we sung with Jephro, we follow you wholeheartedly, without doubt. Believe in the prophets, believe in the promises, we follow you and we're very grateful that you saved us. We ask, Lord, that there, everyone here, that we don't doubt, but we put our trust in you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and we don't lean on our own understanding. We pray these things in and through Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.